Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where we've fallen through a portal to the past, to ancient Pokemon. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. I'm confused, there's no technology. Yes, today we are talking about Pokemon Legends Arceus. Arceus? Arceus. Arce- I, I, I'm going to roll with I it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I've heard that they actually localized it differently in different regions, so I don't oh, know. I think really? they're all kind of valid. Um, I've been playing mostly this game, and you have basically just watched a couple videos of it, so I figure I could talk about it a bit, and you could ask me some questions, because I feel like I don't know if you fully understand what the game is. Like, I get it. I've watched a lot of TikTok videos uh, of this game, and I'm still not 100% sure. Like, uh, like obviously, I know what it is, but there are things, like, I haven't seen in the game at all. Like, can you battle in this game? Uh, yes. So you do battle in this game. Um, okay. It, it's a mixture between capturing and battling. So the actual premise of the game is that you have a casual chat with God and then you fall out of the sky into the past where your cell phone turns into a special arc phone and then you're asked to complete the very first Pokedex. So okay. are we on the same page there? Yes, yes. Like you can. Yeah, yeah. OK, it's like that's literally how the game starts is like you're talking to god or a god pokemon or a pokemon adjacent to god it's not extremely clear and then it's implied that like you're coming from modern times and you're falling into the past of the pokemon world and yeah um i have to say the first like hour of this game hour maybe two is a really slow start which doesn't do the game justice it's like it goes to show you and there's a lot of comparisons to breath of the wild for this game but like breath of the wild it's what it's like a minute two minutes of cutscene, and then they just open you up to the world and they're like go figure it out like just yep, go play they just, they're like hey look you're awake you have like this ability jump off a cliff yeah <laughs> and it, it's it's very very not handholdy at all and i'm just finding myself more and more drawn towards games that are brave enough to do that just like let me get to the gameplay and mm-hmm. this game's gameplay is really fun every time that it lets me do it. Um, but the first like hour or two of this, it's so much dialogue. It's so much talking. It's so much like tutorial and onboarding. And I'm guessing it's because they're like, well, our demographic is younger. We have to walk them through it and be a little handholdy. Right. But even watching my kids play this game, like I think it's too handholdy. Like I don't think it lets you get to the core gameplay fast enough. Um, that's a little bit of my that's like kind of one of my main complaints about it there's a couple other things yeah. that are nitpicky but once you actually get to the main game and the main gameplay i absolutely loved it so you're into structured open world areas so it's not just a complete mm-hmm. open world right um, okay but think of it more like kind of the way that monster hunter is structured which i know you haven't really done monster hunter right. but other yeah. people will have that as a reference where there's a big open area that's kind of its own biome um but it's not open to the entire game it's open to that region right and there's like i think there's six different regions in the game um or six different areas that you can go to and each one has different pokemon different um i don't know you know it's basically like progress through the story in each one um but once you get out there you can just like walk up to pokemon and throw balls to catch them like you don't have to fight them but to answer your actual question so that's why i was rushing through that to get to your question so you can fight them um the pokemon that you have in your team like the six that you have with you you can hit a button to switch back and forth between 
selecting Pokemon and selecting items. So if you're on items, okay. you can just like take a Pokeball, and if you like sneak up on a Pokemon, or if it's one that just doesn't run away from you because that's like their nature, you can just throw a Pokeball at them, and then you have a chance to capture them. If you hit the button to switch over to like the Pokemon mode, where you're like looking at your actual team, um, you have your team of six, and you can pick which one to throw out. And if you throw that Pokeball with your like Pokemon that are part of your team in it at an enemy right. Pokemon, it just goes right into battle in the open world. Oh, okay. So it's even in the open world there. Like you don't go to yes. a separate battle screen. No, and it's awesome because you don't have to go to a separate battle screen. There's not all of the loading and all of the like yeah. like that was one of the most frustrating things for me from the last few generations of Pokemon was like there the battles take so long. It's like, okay, it's gonna make yep. a sound effect, it's gonna load in, it's gonna show me the other trainer and show me a flash of me and then show the two Pokemon coming out. And then yep. it's like, you know what I mean? There's just so much preamble and then the battle itself feels slow too. This game doesn't suffer from that. Um, you just like you're in the open world, you chuck one of your Pokemon at another Pokemon, and it just goes right into the battle, and you just get right into it. And as soon as it's wrapped up, you're still in the open world. Like it doesn't load to a different screen. It's not a whole separate battle thing. And I love yeah, that. That sounds really cool. Like I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen any videos of that because I don't think people are excited about the battles in this one. That's not where the the greatness of this game comes in, I don't think. No, and the battles aren't bad. Actually, the battle system, this is probably the like my favorite that it's ever been because they've made improvements to it too. Um, there's all sorts of quality of life things in this game, which is kind of what I was getting to a little bit. Um, but one of yeah. them is, so you know Pokemon, like when they level up, it's like, oh, this Pokemon wants to learn a new move. Do you want to forget an old move? And that takes you, you know this, you've played Pokemon games. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you, know, you get rid of the stat boosting moves yeah. and the attack moves if you're like 80% of the the player base right you basically just take the strongest attack move and get rid of like the oldest like one that doesn't matter or the oldest attack move that doesn't do as much damage it's um, true but it takes you like minutes to do that because it's like are you sure you want to forget this move uh one two three poof he forgot a move like you remember all this it's been in all the games um they don't do any of that in this game. Instead, when your Pokemon learns a new move, there's just like a little pop-up notification in the corner, and it's like, hey, your Pokemon has an idea for a new move. If you want to actually change the moves equipped, you just go into your inventory, and on you can go into that specific Pokemon on your team, and you have a list of literally every move that they've ever learned, and you can just hot-swap them anytime you're not in battle. It is amazing. Like It sounds like such a little thing, but I can't imagine ever going back to the other way. Yeah, where there are moves that I've accidentally forgotten or or something like that. And if it wasn't a TM move or something like that, I could not get it back. And I was like, well, I just screwed up and have to get another Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I'm really liking this game. Um, I like the structured open world areas. You actually like aim and throw Pokeballs. So a lot of this game is also um, like unlike the Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee or unlike Pokemon Go, um, you well you kind of have to aim those once you get into an encounter but this because you never leave the open world um it actually has some dynamic movement to it so it's like oh you use the tall grass to sneak up on the pokemon like you're the one that's hunting them now <laughs> oh yeah you know and it's so fun when you do that um so i really like that about it and the fact that you actually have to aim like if you're not aiming to hit the pokemon with the pokeball you won't catch them because it like won't even activate um and they play around with it too so they're different like i feel like in the other games um if there was ever a pokeball that you you would always just use the best pokeball right it's like you get pokeball you get great ball ultra ball like you know things like that yeah 
You um, might switch into netball or whatever the the other. I can't remember any of the other ones besides netball right now. But it depended entirely until you got to a certain point that it was just always the powerful ball. Yes, exactly. And so in this one, um, it's like the the balls have different characteristics so a pokeball great ball and ultra ball those all throw the same um so you basically will always want just like whatever one you have access to but the thing that really changes it up is there's like feather balls which go so much farther and they go in a straight line so instead of having to arc your shots you can just like aim hmm. directly at them and it'll go like two or three times the distance that a normal pokeball will so you can if you're trying to catch a pokemon that has a nature of like its behavior it just wants to run away whenever you get too close you can use one of those balls on it because you can hit it from farther away um or if you're trying to catch a pokemon that's like flying in midair it's so hard to do with a normal like arc shot but you can do it a lot easier if you use one of those feather balls or wing balls um and then the other side of it is they have these ones that are like heavy balls and if you can hit um like the heavy pokeball if you can hit a pokemon with it it is so much more likely to get caught but because it's heavy you have to get like right next to it without it noticing you um and so it just plays with its stealth mechanics so yeah i mean it's an open world game it's an exploration game but also they do some interesting things with the core mechanics to make it so that like the world feels more like things matter you know like like which pokeball i'm choosing to throw at a pokemon matters a lot um so i absolutely love that and it's just it's fun that your trainer is always like there on the field of battle and always moving around so when you do actually get into a battle with another pokemon like we were talking about um you can run around as your trainer like you can while the pokemon are fighting you can still be moving around the battle and if you want to run away, you don't have to choose a run command. You can literally just like push the control stick away from the battle and dip it. And if you get far enough away, it'll be like recall your Pokemon and you're like, yeah, I'm running. I'm out of here. Uh, that was something I was uh, like wondering about, like how the uh, the trainer did, if they were stuck there or uh, what it was, like how you ran, everything like that. Because it sounds really cool. Yeah. Like this is a game I'm absolutely going to get because of everything I've seen that looks exactly like the kind of pokemon game i've been wanting but i just haven't uh picked it up yet uh but mainly because of genshin impact to be honest Um, but the videos on this one look just so fantastic and the more you're telling me about the details it's like yeah this is this is what pokemon should be and i'm hoping the next generation is like that too so yeah i mean the core of this game it's all about it, it's about leveling up your research level and um, completing the Pokedex. Like, that's the core of this game. And the way you complete the Pokedex is super interesting because um, you can do it through catching Pokemon, defeating Pokemon, seeing Pokemon use certain moves a number of times, um, or, like, doing special things, like catching them without being spotted. Um, you know, things along those lines. And so it's interesting because something i had never thought about before because all pokemon just kind of behaved the same in the old games um Mm -hmm. because you just encounter them in a random battle it doesn't really matter um but in this one you actually have to think about what their nature is and like what how they react to the world around them um so like what they're going to do when you walk up to them so some of the pokemon especially like right at the beginning there are ones that they just kind of like walk up to you and look at you so like bidoof that's the first one it's like the starter <laughs> easy of course it just wanders up to you and it looks kind of like oh you're interesting and you just throw a pokeball right at its face you can get right next to it yeah. um there's a couple other ones
ones like that that you encounter throughout the game. There's usually like one or two in each region. But then you start seeing ones where you're like, oh, I want to catch that Pokemon. But as soon as I get close to it, as soon as it spots me, it runs away from me. So, okay, I need to use stealth or I need to use one of those like feather balls to like hit it from farther away. And so that becomes this game that's more dynamic. And so those Pokemon, usually their Pokedex entries will have things like um, cap like capture one without being spotted you know or oh okay and so it depends on like what the nature of the pokemon is because it's like capture without being spotted or um you know capture it in different ways different times like captured at this time of day captured at that time of the day um and so when you go into a pokedex entry there's probably like 60 things you can do in there and you only need to complete 10 of them for the entry to be considered complete and then you get like full credit for it and so if you want to grind your way to completion you can just like get into a battle over and over with the same pokemon or you can just catch the pokemon but it's like you'll get one completion for like okay the first time you caught it and then maybe you'll get one for the second time you caught it but then it'll be like well you need to catch five now for the next one like in this sequence and then you need to catch like 15 and then you need to catch like 25 or 50 and it just gets to the point where you're like well instead of catching 20 more of the same one because that doesn't sound fun instead i'm going to defeat it once and i'm going to get like a completion for defeating it once and then oh if i defeat it with like a fire type move that's a different entry and i get a check mark for that and so it's kind of about like looking at the pokedex and seeing what do i want to do right now uh, against this specific pokemon to complete more of these things and so you end up in situations where you're like okay i'm just gonna like run around and try to find all the badoofs and just capture them without them seeing me and then okay here's here's like a paris and the paris are so aggressive that as soon as they spot you they just charge you and attack and you're like okay i'm not even gonna try like i'm gonna capture one or two because that gets me a couple of like the entries completed and then instead i'm just gonna do all of the battle things for this instead because it obviously wants to battle and um it will have more because the nature of that one is aggressive it'll have more options around the battle so it's like defeat it this number of times defeat it with this type move defeat it with a different type of move um you know what i mean it's just like you know maybe it's like defeat an alpha version of this pokemon um and so now those are cool like speaking of alpha versions like i was seeing some videos of them uh yesterday i didn't know that was a thing like uh it was so much cooler the alpha versions these big versions of them i love so much more than like the gigantamax and dynamax stuff that they did to make them bigger and more impressive it's like i love like i saw somebody have a team of alpha evs that they evolved into every one of them and just stood around and like that looks so awesome it was like i can totally see alpha hunting being way more engaging i think than shiny hunting oh yeah and they're fun because you can throw them you see them in the open world in the context right so right you can always just throw them out and then because the alpha versions are bigger it they literally are like huge pokemon um one of my favorite pokemon that i have right now that it's okay as like some a member of my party but i don't want to get rid of it because it's a rapidash and it's an alpha Mm. rapidash and it is gigantic it is like this (laughs) huge fire horse that just dominates the screen to the point where you can't even see the whole thing at the same time because it's so big and it just makes me laugh every time i throw that thing out in battle so i like don't want to take it out of my party and i'm assuming that you uh, ride it around as well that that's your mount riding this giant fire horse um so there are mount pokemons um 
the the thing about that is like well like i said uh, just to wrap up my other thought i really love the mini objectives i like that you have so many options to complete a pokedex entry and then once you've done 10 out of the like 60 or whatever it is it's done right you can move on to the next one but right um that kind of gets us into quality of life stuff and one of the quality of life things they added are riding pokemon which is probably what you saw in some of the videos right yeah, and I remember doing that in Let's Go, uh, Let's Go Pikachu, where I was able to ride around and move faster on some of them, and it was awesome. Yeah, so in this one, it's not any Pokemon; it's specific Pokemon that you get um, as part of the story. So there's five of them uh... in total, and it's kind of like um, how Breath of the Wild, as you unlock more abilities, you get more traversal options. Um, that's really right. what it's giving you. So the first one that you get in the first open world area. It's just like, it's basically fast, right? It's like the equivalent of a horse. It'll get you from point A to point B faster. Um, And then you get one that lets you like dig for treasure and like hunt down objects through this like radar minigame. Later, you get ones that let you climb mountains and like vertically scale things up and down. Um, There's one that lets you swim. So like your character can't swim on their own. But as soon as you get this Pokemon, you can go out into the open water. And then there's one, um, the very last one lets you not quite fly, but you can like jump way up in the air and then glide for a long time right that sounds awesome yeah and they're super fun because they get you around the world faster and also they just give you more movement options which is fun um and there's there's just like so many quality of life things here that make it it removes a lot of the friction that i have felt over the course of playing pokemon games for years and years right and i talked about some of that like um swapping out your party um it's so easy and like changing the moves on your party at any time um you can go back to a camp which there is a couple camps in each open world area and at any camp you can just like um talk to one character it'll let you swap the party rest to full health look at your entire inventory access all your storage do the shopping there too um so it's just like low friction um and then the moves is such a huge thing because I feel like I'm actually playing around with different move sets for a Pokemon because I know I'm not committed. You know, it's like I can put this move in there and try it. And then if I end up not using it or not liking it, I'm like, oh, I'll just flip back into my menu and switch it out for a different move. And then all of the fast movement in the open world makes it so much more fun to get like from point A to point B because you can always get to where you're trying to go really quick. And then you can just kind of like hunker down in that area for a bit hunting for the Pokemon that you want. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I like the game a lot, if you can't tell already. Um, There are a couple things, like I mentioned, that the first part of it, um, it's just kind of slow with the way the dialogue and it over-tutorializes things that like you you pick up naturally. And then it almost doesn't tutorialize things where you can get 20 hours into the game and be like, wait, how does that work? It works like that? Why (laughs) did they never tell me? You know? Yeah. Um, so that's a little frustrating. Again, that's kind of like a nit to pick. It's not a, you know, it's, it's not a deal breaker, but one of the things that I have noticed that bugs me sometimes is like this game chugs, like they, I don't know, the Pokemon team, they need to like up their game with not necessarily the visuals, but like the performance of the graphics, if that makes sense. It's not that anything looks bad when you're like right up next to it, um, but I've run into so many visual glitches and like as soon as a Pokemon gets further away from you, it starts to like look bad. And if you see Pokemon way off in the distance, they look like they're moving at like seven frames a second. Um, uh, yeah. You know, it like it's not horrible, but it feels like they need to work on their engine. And 
I just think like, what if this game, but on like PS5 or you know Xbox Series X hardware, like how beautiful could this look if they actually like put the time into the graphics? So it's not a huge knock against the game, but it's definitely evident as you're playing through it. And that's that's weird to me because that 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 I mean, Sword and Shield got a lot of knocks for the graphics, and I didn't think it deserved it. And I haven't seen this one like on the Switch other than videos. But it's weird to me that it being a first party title, even though you know the Pokemon Company and Game Freak and all of that are are separate uh, entities. It's like it's strange to me to have something not really optimized for the Switch because you have something like Metroid Dread, and it's just beautiful that the game runs just about perfectly in almost every situation. Uh, I haven't actually had any kind of slowdown or problems. And then you have something like Pokemon like this, where it, it chugs in certain ways. And I realize they're two different kinds of games, but the optimization is still possible. Yeah. And, and then I you mean, have Breath of the Wild. I mean, that's look at Breath of the Wild. Oh, and it was a first gener- and it was a first generation title that uh, it was a launch title that still outperforms most games now. Yeah, it is. So Breath of the Wild is like a seamless open world. There's no like instance zones like this one. And it's much bigger. It's much more detailed and it runs smoother, too. So it's like it, it's just obvious that this game could be optimized more. And you know that Pokemon and Nintendo, like the Pokemon company and Nintendo, have such a good relationship. It feels like, why why couldn't they just call in the people that like optimize Breath of the Wild to teach them a little bit more about how to optimize for the Switch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, really. And then the other thing is, like, there's so much room for improvement in environmental storytelling here. Um, the store, like, the open worlds feel kind of empty and it's not like there's always pokemon around it's not that if you look around you at any moment anywhere in the open world there are pokemon that you can interact with and because that's the core of the game it just kind of works but if you start thinking about something like breath of the wild or a skyrim or like any other open world game out there um typically if you just like stand still in an open world game and you look around there's a lot of things in the environment that you're like oh i want to see what's over that hill or like what's in that tunnel or you know like what's in that pond like there's something that just draws you to different areas because you're like oh i could find something cool if i go investigate um in this game if you see something like that you're like oh there's a tunnel over there let me go see what's in it there's probably nothing in it like Um. you know there's like okay there's a couple rock pokemon in it but there's nothing in the environment that's like oh cool i'm so glad i came over to this tunnel because there's environmental storytelling of stuff going on here because there's not it's just like oh, okay there's some geodudes i get it mm, yeah yeah i mean that's i hate caves with geodudes in them yeah yeah exactly so there's room there for improvement but all of that to say that like this feels like the shakeup that the series needed um it didn't probably go quite far enough. Like I wish it had gone a little bit further and it does need refinement, but I hope that they keep iterating on this and that a lot of these things make it back into the mainline series because this is more fun than I've had with a Pokemon game in, I don't know how long, like at least 10 years, maybe 15 or this might be my favorite Pokemon game since I played the originals when I was a kid. Like I love it. Wow. Um, that's, that's high praise. Yeah, it's really good. I don't. It's not going to be my game of the year just because like Pokemon Never is my game of the year. But could this one squeak onto the top five? Maybe. It depends what else comes out this year. But it's definitely going to get ranked pretty highly for me. Like I really like it. That's fantastic. Yeah. I have one question about this. Yep. What is Arceus? Where does uh, the title come from? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> it, it's not really explained. I assume that it's like the god Pokemon that you talk to at the beginning of the game. Because like, mm. I, I feel like I'm right at the end of the game, but I haven't actually finished it yet. So if you ask me in a day or two, I will probably know. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. That was one I've just wondered because I thought it might be the Arceus region, and it's not. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't really know where that title came from. Yeah, it's in uh, the. This is in the Hisui region, which is just like a proto version of Sinoa, which is one of the regions from a different. It was from. Oh, I'm gonna forget which one. I think it's uh, Diamond and Pearl because yeah, that okay. all ties out with the story in this one. So with the Pokedex in this one, how many Pokemon are in it to get? Is it the Sino mostly the Sino region? Sinoa? I don't even know. I, I can see it in my head. Yeah. How uh, is it mostly that Pokedex that you're filling out, or does it have like a bunch of extra or new Pokemon, or is it new versions of the Pokemon? There's. I don't think there's any like new new Pokemon. If there are, it's maybe like two or three. Um, it's basically pulling um i think they pull a lot from Sonoa, and then they also just kind of mix in other fan favorites from across all the regions and okay. they get away with it because some of the story touches on like time and space distortions like the one that you fell through to get there and so they're like yeah. oh there's a time space distortion and if you walk over to that area of the open world map and go into it you're like oh there are pokemon here that i've never seen anywhere else um and so they just kind of like they get them in there but i think in total there's like 250 ish in here somewhere around that um okay. yeah but it's it's super fun i like it a lot i'll report back a little bit when i finish it but i think most of my time with it has not been pushing through the main story it's been getting free of the main story and then just going and wandering the open world area and distracting myself for hours and hours and hours doing that and then being like oh right i should probably go push the story forward um which is like the opposite of how i do so many rpgs so uh -huh. That's a good sign, too. Um, yeah, it really is. Like, that's actually one of the things I'm afraid of playing it is that I'll devote so much time to the open world because open worlds are, they have two, I, I react to open worlds in two different ways. One is I get really overwhelmed, critical path, the main story with a few side quests here and there, and then I'm done with it. Uh, kind of like Ubisoft games and stuff like that, where it's just there's so much that I can do. It's just like I'm overwhelmed. And then there's games like Breath of the Wild and Genshin Impact and Skyrim, where I spend all of my time just exploring around the world. And the story comes like secondary to tertiary of whatever goals I've set myself. And I feel that uh, Arceus will be one of those games when I get it, that it's yes. going to be hundreds of hours uh, in, invested in it. Just, just, just screwing around. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it definitely falls into that camp, but it's so fun. And the other thing is like, once you get away from the story, this is such a great podcast game, which I always appreciate too. Like, you know right. i love to like put a podcast yep. in one ear and then leave the other ear without a headphone to listen to like kind of mm -hmm. half listen to the game i've listened to so many podcasts and audiobooks while playing this game and it's perfect for that when you're just wandering the open world you know and then when i go do the story missions i like pause my podcast for a bit but i'm like eh, the story's right. okay it's really it's the open world it's the capturing the pokemon um so yeah, okay, a lot of Pokemon talk, but I obviously like it. Uh, before we do Weekly Geekery, don't forget, we're part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the geek to geek Media blog, um, all of that and more at geek 2 geekmediacom or go to geek 2 geekmediacom slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. And we also have the Patreon, which, is there anything new from that? 
Uh, we are working on figuring out how to do it. Uh, the the money for the from the Patreon uh, is going directly into supporting the website and updates and things like that. Uh, working on SEO plugins. The Patreon money this month went to buy Rank Math SEO Premium. Uh, so we're working uh, on improving everything on the the blog and the community with that. Uh, and that brings us to Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, I TPK'd my party in Dungeons and Dragons last Thursday. I think I saw uh, it on Twitter. How was that? It's it was awesome. It was fun. And I'm not one of those DMs who like plays against my players. Like that is obviously not my personality. But um, I also am a DM where you have consequences for your actions. Yes, I recognize that this is a hero. That this is a hero fantasy. But also, you can't do everything like Superman all the time when you're like level five. And so they they wandered out of this cave and they saw these two characters doing a ritual on at this like monolith outside. And they'd been trying the, the entire time up to this point to prevent the resurrection of this god king. And the rogue and the ranger, the gloomstalker ranger, of course, uh, moved up real slowly in stealth. And the rogue had like a 33 stealth. So it was like they did not see him getting close. And um, even with their big perception bonuses, and he just straight up attacked them. Like he did not wait. He he didn't take in the party. Like they were chanting. He saw that the uh, the the ranger got stunned whenever this ra- this uh, uh, language was being spoken, and uh, he had kind of shaken it off. Uh, the the rogue did, and so he went straight in for the attack. Um, it was a bad idea. These were characters I was about to introduce as like the uh, the big bads uh, of this of the session, like the the kind of lieutenants that led up to the, like the biggest bad. And um, they were these were a level five, a party of six level fives, and they attacked uh, two CR elevens uh, who were doing stuff, and they both had legendary actions, and they summoned a CR thirteen uh, pet, an eye golem uh, from the Cobalt Press Toma Beast, and they. They uh, wiped the floor with my party, and uh, they had every opportunity to run. Even the barbarian was like, "Hey guys, maybe we should talk to him. Maybe we should run." And they were like, "Attack!" <laughs> and um, they they died. The thing is, they were all laughing about it. They realized they got in over their heads, and they couldn't do anything about it. And so they were just like, "We can try." And then like one of the, the fighter was one turn away from being able to get away and hide. And like, I was, I play NPCs and uh, party and uh, monsters, you know, to the intelligence of these characters. So they were attacking the people who needed to be attacked at that moment. And uh, my party wiped. And so tonight, as we're playing this, uh, it's kind of a re-session zero where uh, they're rolling new characters. Uh, We're meeting in person again for the first time in uh, like three or four weeks. And uh, now that Omicron has kind of stopped surging here in uh, North Alabama uh, like it was. And so it's going to be interesting. We got a couple of new players, got a bunch of new characters and uh since this started as a game shop game uh just kind of open game shop game where i put out a call like hey i want to dm a game whoever wants to come come we had like uh, 13 people come overall uh 11 people the first night it was uh, like now we have an opportunity to have a little bit more cohesion in the group now that we know who is that core group who is coming almost every week and so uh it'll be fun to do like but it was the first time i've ever killed the character and it was some long time dnd players first time they had ever had a character die so uh it was 
it was interesting and all of like i think now now that they died it was a ranger a rogue uh two rangers a rogue uh a sorcerer warlock a barbarian and a fighter and uh because our cleric and paladin couldn't make it that night and uh now i think our party might end up consisting of three paladins and a cleric maybe two clerics uh <laughs> since then it's like i put the fear of god in these people where they're like okay support all right he's not pulling punches <laughs> it's like we gotta have support characters yeah as long as they had fun <laughs> and, and they were having a good time afterwards and everyone's laughing and happy that's awesome exactly we were laughing about it and that's one thing that i think is hard to get across like when i'm talking about it online or something it's like because so many people in the 5e community are like because 5e it's hard to die it's hard to die in 5e like there it is stacked in your favor to live in almost any situation and uh, even statistically the way death saves work um but it they were laughing and they were fun and this was not me being adversarial and so it was like that's what made it great that's why i'm proud of it is because i gave them a situation they had an out and they didn't take it and so they made their choice and then yep. they died. And, uh, but yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun and I'm excited for tonight to see how, uh, to see how it plays out with us, uh, getting a new party together and, and really getting to know each other a little bit better. Cool. That's really fun. I'm also still playing Genshin Impact. I uh, got a few more five-star characters through the event, and I got a lot more four-star characters through uh, the event and having duplicates, actually. And uh, turns out I actually lucked into getting some of the best characters in the game multiple times. It's like I got, uh, I think his name is Shingcho. Uh, I got Gene, uh, a couple of different versions, like a couple of different upgrades for uh, Shangling. Uh, Shangling, I, I, I'm my accent, but it's uh, like... And I got Ganyu, one of the best uh, DPS in the game, the the archer. And so, like, my main party is going to be beast once I get these leveled up and get the right artifacts. Like, I've I've had a really good time playing it. It does get a little bit grindier, like you mentioned, um, but really it's not any worse than having to do in any other online game where you have to get items to build your gear. It's like you just have to kill some of these world bosses that respawn every three minutes. It's like it's no different than any other game, uh, really. So I'm enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it a lot. I play it every day now. That's awesome. No, I, like, I the more I hear about it, and I've heard from other people too, I feel like I need to give it another shot because I do wonder if they rebalanced a little bit of the grind since I only played like the first two weeks three weeks that it came out yeah. like i really didn't get any improvements that i'm sure they've made over the last year year and a half however long it's been oh i'm sure and i don't know any of the improvements because yeah. i didn't keep up with it i just know that right now i'm having a lot more fun than i did at launch but i wasn't in the mood for this kind of game either sure so fair. it's uh but it's a lot of fun like i highly highly suggest uh getting on and giving it a shot because uh they've it is certainly a lot bigger and there's three four areas now to explore and go through rather than just the initial ones from launch. So, uh, and you can get your own house. There's your own little house realm that lives in a teapot, uh, that you can (laughs) set up and do like, it's weird and it's awesome. Like I, I, I don't do it that much, but it's funny because like you just pull out this little teapot and hop in like a genie. It's, It's hilarious. Awesome. And then we're also, uh, Jennifer and I started watching The Golden Girls on Hulu, like the 80s show. Uh, We watched it a bunch when we were kids, and uh, we loved it. It was hilarious. We have all these fond memories of it. And uh, going back as adults, I didn't know how dirty this show was. This show has so many dirty jokes in it that just, like, they're not even innuendos. It's just straight out that uh, making these jokes, and I had no idea. (laughs) 
that they were in there. Like it's hilarious uh, how just it's a, a it's a hilarious show, and then it's hilarious how in like 1985 they were able to get away with this on TV because it's not the kind of sitcom that I would have ever expected to come out in the mid 80s. Looking back now, like it would be one of those shows now that would be uh, cable wise and have a little more uh, ex- explicitness. Uh, to it but it's dirty it uh it surprises me how uh the jokes they get away sometimes like it's awesome but it's hilarious too so we're cackling out loud like very repetitive but it's good i'm enjoying it uh even without the nostalgia because i don't remember any of this stuff good i'm glad you found another show you like that's always good yep um for me i'm still catching up on like i'm trying to get through on the show my backlog of geekery from the holiday break uh i'm looking at the time because we have a hard out today um i think i can get through two really quick so one is Endwalker. i feel like i pre-talked about final fantasy before we did our end of the year stuff and then i didn't really talk about it again um so over break i finished Endwalker, and i really liked it it felt like an expansion and a half worth of content compared to like the old expansions and each of those feels like an entire final fantasy game so there was a Mm. lot in this one um it had a little bit of weird pacing just because it was trying to do so much but that's okay because like it was a good story and it really did wrap up a decade worth of story um and kind of like it stuck the landing so i have to applaud it for that they have done with the story almost like a, a very very soft reset to the point where they can do anything they want going forward because the main through lines from a realm reborn all the way through Endwalker are now wrapped up and yeah they can really do something new next time and i'm so excited to see what comes next because of that um you know the lin- lingering pro- plot threads have all just been tied up um and it's one where I think overall Shadowbringers is probably my favorite expansion for like a standalone one expansion story. But because Endwalker wrapped up like 10 years worth of content, um, you just have to like applaud it for like how amazing it is. So I don't see any way of Endwalker not making it on my end of the year list um, for top five. It, it was just so well done. And I'm still having a ton of fun like playing Final Fantasy 14 with my brother whenever we can like get online together. Um, so that'll probably be one in the background for the year. So I might bring it up again like as patches come out, but just know I'm kind of playing that in the background, even if I'm not talking about it week to week. Yeah. Um, the other one... I actually canceled my Final Fantasy 14 subscription yesterday. Uh, uh, I just kept logging in and playing it and trying different classes, and it just it wasn't clicking with me again. So I ended up just canceling it. Like I, I love the game and wanted to get into Endwalker, but just I ended up not being able to. Well, at least it's one where you don't always have to be like you don't have to play it every week or every month or even every year. Like nope. you can come back to it when you're ready, and the game will meet you where you're at. It's really good yep. at that. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, and so like I'm already playing a little bit less because I finished the Endwalker story. I had been playing it so much for the month or two leading up to that. Um, so now I'm dipping in like once a week, maybe once every other week. Um, and that's about where I want to be with it. But as patches come out, I might dive back in for like you know a bunch, yeah. a bunch of days in a row. We'll see what happens this year. Um, but the other one I really wanted to put out there is this game called Vampire Survivors, which I think I told you about this or texted you about it one day. Um, yeah. it is so addictive and so fun and so simple um it is a pc game right now it's on steam it like scratches the same itch for me that geometry wars did where Mm -hmm. there's just like waves and waves of enemies coming to attack you um this one it's kind of themed around castlevania like how close can you get to castlevania without infringing on their copyright (laughs) like you know without infringing on their ip it's as close as that as they can get um it is just pure gameplay like you know we talked about like don't 
hold your players back with story and tutorials and stuff none of that exists in this game at all you just start the game and you have one power to start and you just start dodging enemies as they come in from the sides and then as you defeat them it drops these little experience points and you pick up the experience points level up and then you upgrade your abilities or you get new abilities and so it's like a run-based game where like every run is kind of self-contained there's some meta progression so that you're always making a little bit of progression between runs um but all of the attacks in this game are complete auto attacks so literally when you're in the game playing the only thing that you're doing is using the control stick well i play on controller so i'm using you know the joystick but if you're on pc i'm guessing you just use wasda um even though i am on pc you know what i mean i'm using an xbox controller on windows um but the the thing about this game is it like really quickly gets you into a flow state and you can just lose time to it but in the best way right because it's pure gameplay and it kind of meets you where you're at and so it's all about just like how that run go do i want to do another one and so the way i've been playing this game is like i'll sit down i'll do i don't know two three runs at a time you know just like oh yeah i can put another 10 minutes in a couple times in a row and then okay i'm gonna go play something else that's like more meaty for video games for the night um right this game will make my like honorable mentions at the end of the year no question in my mind and the thing is it is only three dollars so like i can recommend it to basically everybody for that price right it's you and i talk about the subjective value of games three dollars is not a big ask like basically i think almost everybody should go just check this game out because it's so fun and the barrier to entry is so low and that sounds really awesome to me because ah, I may go pick that up soon because I, one of the first games that I remember loving like that was my mom worked at a furniture store and they had a Robotron 1984 uh, arcade machine in the back. And I could just uh, open it up and click the as many credits as I wanted. And I just had so much fun with this wave shooter, like just moving around and shooting in all directions. That's exactly the kind of uh, game that this sounds like. And it, I love that kind of game. I love Geometry Wars for that. Okay, if you love that and you love Geometry Wars, you absolutely have to play this game. And it's all, like I said, it's $3. And you can play an entire run in like five or 10 minutes, probably. Yeah. I will tell you, the maximum amount of time you can do a run is about 30 minutes because then the game just gets like impossible on purpose. <laughs> right. Um, so that's if you're going on a tear and if you're having the best run or if you're deep into the game, you're getting really good at it. But when you start out, your runs are going to be like five or 10 minutes. It's not a whole lot of time commitment either. Yeah, that sounds really, really cool. I would love to talk about it more if you play it. So we'll see if you pick it up. Um, That's probably it for today. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. And we also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. So you can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, check out all of the other content we have on the network, blogs, video game reviews, game recommendations, Patreon content, all sorts of stuff. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beach. That's Beach with the two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beach with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, y'all. When toxic culture has you down, 
when you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network, a community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time, and we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 